Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Dov Chavtas in Masechus Nadarim. Andrew, you weren't here, so well, so good to have you back. And Bezat Hashem, we'll continue now from four lines up from the bottom of Chavches Amad Bez. Okay? So, two dots. Then Mishnah had said an interesting thing. A guy is in a storm, Garanowitz, and he sees a whole bunch of trees are flying around in a hurricane. And he wants to say, these trees are goners. These trees, they're not going to make it. Or he sees a fire, and he sees a bunch of clothing in the fire. And his wife says, go get the clothing. And he says, no, th- those clothing are, are gone. They're going to be burnt up in the fire. But instead of saying that, instead of just saying that, he says it in a neder form. He emphasizes for no particular reason that we can uh, fathom. He says instead, if those clothes are going to be, right, in the, uh, if those, right, clothes are going to survive the fire, I'm going to be makdish to them, right? I'm going to designate them, right, to the base hamikdash, which is another way of saying they're not going to make it in the fire, right? He's saying, like, as far as I'm concerned, so again, let's use the clothes in the fire scenario, Right? The wife says, go get the clothes. He says, as far as I'm concerned, those clothes are gone. So guess what? Even if they were to survive the fire, I would be makdash them to the base of Mikdash. Okay, well, sure enough, the clothes survived the fire. So now the question is, was he makdash them to the base of Mikdash? That's what he said he was going to do. Well, he didn't necessarily mean it, uh, but it is plausible enough, and that's what we learned yesterday, it's plausible enough that they would survive the fire that we say yes. That nether actually works, and that commitment to be makdash to the base of mikdash is binding, and therefore yeshlahim pidyon is the lashon that the Mishnah used. You have to be podet. However, at the end, it says, if he said a weirder, an even weirder case, uh, a slight wrinkle, if he said that talis, let's say, is going to be right hekdesh until it burns. Then the Mishnah said, Ein lahem pidyon. Then it does not. Then you can't be podet. What does it cannot be podet mean? So if you look at the Mefarish, which looks like it's Rashi on the inside, on the top of Chavchesam and Beis, Ein lahem pidyon on the Mishnah, it says, Le'olam. You can never take away that, that hekdesh from it. Why? Calls manchalo niktatsu, meaning so long as the trees have not yet fa- uh, fallen or the talus not yet burned, the ain yotzin l'chulin, right? Ella, as, as the Mfar says, it's kedushas haguf. So we're going to see what's going on here. Why can it not? That's what the, where the Gemara is going to start. A little bit of lumdus. Um, Barry, when you woke up this morning, did you know that you're going to learn about kedushas mamon versus kedushas haguf? Oh, this is beautiful lumdus as follows. Says the Gemara. So now the Gemara, four lines down, says, so now you know what the context is. Says, says, Ula Olam? It, what do you mean? You can never be podet if you set it up in such a way to say that this is hekdesh until it's burnt or until the trees fall out? Why should that be so? It says, Amar bar pada, pada'an chozos v'kochos. So it's on chavchesam et beiz, the two dots, four lines up. Ula Olam? See that? In other words, so long, again, he says that these are going to be, right, he's going to say that these are hekdesh until they become 
right? Until until they burn, it's going to be hectic, and then at that point it goes away. So what Pada is explaining is that if you were to be podet so long as they're so to speak uh, around until they get burned up, it'd be chosros vekochos. The kedusha would just pop right back up onto them. Padan chosros vekochos. And that would happen again and again and again. It wouldn't matter how many times you put it. This is what that Mefarish had said. That's what I was reading inside. Uh, this is what that Mefarish had said. That there's no way to get the Kedusha off these items. Until they reach their end. Until the trees are falling or the talus is burned. And then, And then, once they are, uh, once the tree do fall or the talus gets burnt, then you put it once, and then that's enough. So when the mission says they can't be put, it doesn't mean it can't be put ever. It doesn't mean la'olam. It means it can't be put until it reaches that final point. Uh, so that's the explanation of bar pada. So again, what I want to explain is as follows. I'll, 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 I'll say it a little bit clearer. We'll use the talus example, right? Wife sees something burning, and, and, and your clothes, your closet, God forbid, is on fire, and she says, and she says get, get, get the clothes. And then the, the husband says, you know what? Those clothes are gone to me. They're going, I'm going to make them hekdesh until they burn. Well, now it's a zero-sum game, Barry, because it means that mimanafshach, right? In other words, either it's hekdesh or it's burned, in which case it's, it's already gone. So that's what it means, the olam. That's what a zero-sum game means according to Barpada. What it means that, ain't, that you can't be poda means that by definition, by the time you can be poda it, it's already going to be burnt up or the tree is already going to be fallen. So it just means that if you were going to try to be poda it at, at the time that it's burning before it gets all burnt up while it's in the fire, so then that's binding. It's really just an extension of the beginning of the Mishnah. Then that at that point you wouldn't be, be able to be poted because it's not yet nisrafu and that you had committed to making it hektesh and therefore that is your statement by making the statement right uh, more specific in terms of it's going to be hektesh until this time you make it so you can't be poted until that time that it's that it's nisraf. and then once it's nisraf, you could be poted you just poted it once but it's nisraf already so that is parpada that's his explanation. However, Ula Amar, Ula Amar says it's different. He says no pidyon is needed. That's what Ain pidyon means. How so? Says Ula, Kevad Shiniktsu Shuvena Podon. A fascinating thing. That whereas Barpada says that once the tree falls or the talus burns, you can do pidyon at that point because that was the time limit that you said. Ula says an unbelievable thing that you could set a timer on how long something could be hekdesh. And that is the discussion of today's daf, as follows. The guy said, again, in the first case, the guy just said, these are goners, I'm being makdash them, it's a simpler case, right? I'm gonna be makdash to the base of mikdash and he's committed. In the second case, he said a weirder thing. He set a time limit to how, when the kedusha ends. He said, these are gonna be makdash until the tree falls, or until the talus burns. Well, guess what? Bula says that this is something you can do. A person can commit something to the base of mikdash, with an expiration date. This is gonna be hektesh for 30 days. And then after that, it's not hektesh anymore. Can you do that? Can you infuse something with a Kedusha for a specific amount of time? And then after you do so, once that Kedusha runs out, the Kedusha expires and it goes back to being Kulin without any Pidjon at all? That's a fascinating question. 
you wouldn't expect it in the Dharam. It is a netter that triggered this, but the question now has nothing to do with the Dharam anymore. The question is, once you've set it up this way, is that something that works? So Ula says, yes, the Kedusha just can fly off. It can expire. Wow. So now we finally arrive at Chavtesa Medalif, and Amr Lei Rav Amnuna, and Rav Amnuna wants to ask the question with regards to Ula. Kedusha Shurbehen Lehechan Halcha. Can that be really true? Once you infuse something with a Kedusha, and you set an expiration date, where does the Kedusha go? <laughs> like, how does something with Kedusha, how does the Kedusha just jump off of it? That's the question that Rav Amnuna wants to ask Ula. And we have like a, almost a funny scenario, an analogy. Would this analogy work? Asks Rav Amnuna as follows. Uma ilu amal isha. Can you set a Kedusha on a timer? Like even when you're doing Kedushan? A guy says to a girl, Hayom at ishti ulumachar iat ishti. Can you say that? Like hariat mikudeshetli for one day, and then this kedushin is going to last a week or a day, and then tomorrow you're off. Is that like something you could do? Could you set kedushin on a timer, right, and say that it's only uh, kedushin that expires? Me nafka below get asks Ravam Nuna. Right, would that scenario mean that since you set it on a timer uh, from Lachatchila, that when you take her out, you, when, once she goes out of the Kiddushan, she, no, she will not even require a get because she was only uh, Mekudeshet for a day? Would that, that would be the analogy, right? Because here we're saying we don't need Pidyon. You, you set up the Kiddushan, it expires, and then you don't need Pidyon. So that would be similar to be Mekanesh Shanisha for a... For a Right, a, a specific amount of time, and then you don't need to uh, get. So that certainly can't be the case, right? In other words, by kiddushin, we know it's not true. So therefore, why by being makdish something is it true according to Ula? So Amalei Rava. So now Rava is defending Ula as follows. Rava explains to Hamnuna. Hamnuna, one of the early Amaraim. So Amalei Rava, mikadamis, mikamidamis kiddushas damim lekiddushas haguf. Are you going to compare the Kedusha on the talus and the tree to the Kedusha of a woman? One of them is Kedusha's Damim, which means the, which the, which means sanctifying something, right, monetary, that's monetary to the base of Mikdash. And the other one is a actual Kedusha Saguf, right? They're taking a woman and you're being Makadash her, her status completely changes. Says Rava, Kedushas Damim Paka Bichdi, that when you take something that's just of monetary value and you're Makadish it, that is Paka goes out Bichdi on its own, without anything. Whereas Kedushas Haguf, Lo Paka Bichdi, whereas something is physically Mekudash, it just can't go out on its own accord. That is Rava's, again, the question Rava Nuna had on Ula was, if you're saying that the Kedusha of, let's say, the Talis goes away without any pidyon, right, without any redemption, then the Kedushan of a woman should also be able to have an expiration date and not require a get. So Rav is saying those two are not the same. And I struggled last night trying to figure out how to explain this because, right, these are abstract ideas, Goranowitz. But the idea of something, maybe there's even a... Um, Garano, it's Muslim moment embedded in here because I know that you've been longing for one where you could say, when you have something of monetary value, so that money, right, is essentially the same, but it's been appropriated for 
right, a, a hektesh purpose. So whatever you appropriate that money for, maybe you could say, right, but the money itself is fundamentally unchanged. It's just appropriated, and you could say, this is designated for that purpose for a set amount of time. And then once that time expires, it's no longer eligible for, the, for that use. Whereas when you have Kedusha Saguf, certainly when you're a Kaddish woman, she becomes a fundamentally different qualitative thing, right? And, and so the reason that's a Musser moment, Garanowitz, is because it, maybe you could say homiletically that as human beings, we could fundamentally change, right? So as we're not even the same uh, in terms of Kedusha that we were before, we're, we're considered fundamentally different. And that doesn't go away without some sort of redemption, without some sort of process. So that was Rava's answer, right, to Rav Hamnuna, which is to say that it, you can say with regards to money and regards to Kedusha's Damim, you can, in fact, set a timer, the fact that you can't do so be with uh, with be, uh, with kedushin of a woman does not mean that you can't do it with kedushin of money, and therefore the answer of ula could stand. That perhaps when it says ein lehem pidyon, it means it doesn't require pidyon. It simply goes off on its own. So Abaye, you think he's going to take this laying down, Andrew? I don't think so. So Abaye says to Rava, "Wait a minute, Amar Abaye, kedushin saguf lo paka bichdi." Kedushin saguf lo paka bichdi. Are you going to say that there's no? No scenario where Kedusha Saguf doesn't fall off on its own, the Hatanya. So now we're going to use an example of Karbanas, of animals, which is still not Dumim. So Kedusha Saguf uh, apparently can apply to, right, all living things, right, anything that has, that's a living body. Once it has an element of sanctity, uh, it, that, that sanctity should not be going away, that Kedusha. And we have a bracelet to that effect. Vatanya, an interesting case. Person makes an edar as follows. Shor ze ola kol shloshim yom. Right, you take an ox and you say, I'm going to say that this is going to be designated as an ola all 30 days. What does that mean? You can't bring it as an ola, right? Ola gets consumed. You can't bring it every, once you bring it, it's gone. It means, so, so as we will see, you designate the money, uh, as kiddushin, and that's going to be the answer of the Gemara. You designate money and you say, this money is, is going to be used to buy a shore, and if we get around to actually buying the shore and bringing it as a carbon, it's going to be an ola. It's going to be a carbon ola for the first 30 days. And then, continues the statement, but if it gets brought as an ola afterwards, if, rather, if it gets brought as a carbon after the 30 days, it'll be brought as a shlamim. So, in the initial, right, iteration of this brysa, what Abaye seems to think is that you're setting carbon on a clock. You're saying that it, this will be an ola for the first 30 days and the shlamim afterwards, and you're setting it so that the kedusha jumps from being an ola to a shlamim. That's, Abaye says, seems to be an indication that even kedusha saguf can jump from one to the other. So, right? So, says Abaye, kol shloshim yom ola, la'acha shloshim yom shlamim amai. How can you say, right? Because after all, the Brysa says that, that that statement would work. That the first 30 days would be an Ola, and then the second 30 days it would be a Shlamim. And why should that work? Asks Abaye. The only way this would work would be if you had a Kedusha Saguf of an Ola, Ola, and then that could jump off to a lower Kedusha Saguf of Shlamim without any intervention in between. It sounds, says Abaye, like, from the Bryce it sounds, like, in fact, Kedusha Saguf, which is presumed to be, right, can, in fact, jump right, by a timer, you know, set beforehand without having to have any process intervening. So says the Gemara, 
No, uh, this is the Gemara is going to answer by his question as follows: What's that case? I already gave it away. The Amar Lidmei. Yeah, the case was not where he took an actual shore and designated it as a carbon uh, yet. He took a bunch of money, right? And he said, yeah, that, that uh, or he took a shore, but he said that the shore should be Makudish for its monetary value. The Amar Lidmei. That's what it means. That the shore should not be, right? And the Ran is very careful to point out that this would only work by a Balamum. Well, that changes the whole Gemara. The Ran is explaining that this animal was never, okay, eligible to be a korban, right? That was never the idea. The idea was that this animal was always going to be sold and then the money that was going to be, right, uh, made off of this animal was then going to be used to purchase an Ola Shlamim. Okay, well, once you explain the Bryce this way, it has nothing to do. Abaya can't even bring it as a proof of anything, right? So, again, the Ron says, if in fact this animal, because we, we <laughs> the Bryce says that you designate an animal, so we can't just pretend like you designated money. But therefore, and if in fact you, the Ron explains, you had designated an animal that was fit to be a carbon, then that would work. And in fact, maybe the Kedusha wouldn't be able to come off according to Rafa and the way we understand Kedusha Saguf. But because it's a Balmum, this animal was never eligible to be, right, a Korban. And therefore, the only thing that you really could have meant was that we're going to sell this thing for money that we're going to buy an, an animal, another animal with, and then make it an Ola. Uh, but if we end up only selling this animal after 30 days, we'll make it a Shlamim. So this has nothing to do with Kedusha Saguf jumping off from one to the other. It simply is a stipulation that you make on the money and it becomes Kedushas Damim instead of Kedushas Aguf and therefore we have no question uh, uh, and we still can maintain our shot of Rava with Anula that Kedushas Aguf cannot jump off on its own whereas Kedushas Damim can. So says the Gemara, however, well, what about the Seifa of that Brisa? What's wrong with the Seifa? The Seifa says the following. You said it backwards, right? Until now, right, we say, we said that it's going to be an Ola first for 30 days, and then from that point on, it's going to be Shlamim. Now we're saying backwards. We first designated that from in 30 days from now, it's going to be an Ola, a Korban Ola. But from now until then, it's going to be Korban Shlamim. Okay. So what's, what's wrong with, that's an unusual case. So it just keeps upping the ante in terms of complexity here. So the Gemara says the following. Uh, yes. So, right, so we're going to get into that. In this case, Barry's asking, how is this case different? So, so aside from the fact, right, so you're saying that it's going to be kol shloshim yom ola and then shlamim. So first of all, instead of an ola and then a shlamim, right, this one is going to be a shlamim and then an ola, right? It's going to go up in status, right? But there, there's a more fundamental difference in this seifa of the brisa, which is he's saying, instead of saying what's going to happen for the next 30 days, right, from now, instead of saying what's going to happen from now until the next 30 days is going to be an ola, and then in 30 days from now, it's going to become a shlamim. He's not only saying that he's going to be an ola after the shlamim, which is one difference. He's saying a second fundamental difference, which is it's going to, he's first designated what's going to happen in 30 days from now, right? 
first he's saying that it's going to become a shlomim in 30 days from now. And then he's backtracking and saying, and until then, it's going to be a shlomim from now. So why should that matter? Well, we're about to find out why that should matter. But those are the two ways in which a statement are different. Well, let's see how that impacts the situation as follows. So the Gemara wants to say that would only make sense. You can only understand the brisa if the if the set if right if one part of the brisa is dealing with klushas aguf and the other with klushas damim. How so? As we turn to chavtesam and beis, says hainu de itzrich leilatana lemisnatarti. That's why you would have to learn both cases. So stick with me here, and we're going to explain. The reasoning is as follows: the salkadaita chamina. You would have thought like this: klushas aguf lo paka bichdi, klushas damim paka bichdi. Right? Let's say you would have thought to say like Rava. Right? That Kedushas Aguf always stays. You would need to do procedure to extract that. Whereas Kedushas Adamim can go off on its own. You might have thought that. Now, what, it is to dispel that notion to teach you two cases. Amtul Lahachi Tana Tarti. It's for that reason that we learn both cases. Why? Because in both cases, you're going to have the Kedusha Saguf actually go out without having to have any pidyon, as follows. Like this. Because if you said that all of this is Kedusha's Damim, because after all, that was what we tried to answer up. We, have, we tried to say that the case was an ox, right? That we said, oh, if it's going to be this, it'll be designated, right? If it's going to be the first 30 days, it'll be designated as an Olaf. If it'll be the second 30 days, it'll be designated to be sold, right, for, uh, as, a, as an Ola. If it's the next 30 days, it'll be designated to be sold for a Shlamim. If that was the case, so Natarti. Why do you have to have the two cases? Just learn that first case as we explain. And then you would know, right, that the Kedushas Damim, that, that Kedushas Damim, right, actually can jump from one to the other. But watch the second part of the brisa. Hash right? Mikedusha chamura, likedusha kala paka, right? You would have known in the first case, Barry, to answer your question of what's the difference between the first and the second. In the first case, you have the ola turning into a shlamim. And therefore, you would have known. Because in the case where the Ola, the first case, the Ola turns into a Shlamim, right? And that Ola is a higher level of sanctity than the Shlamim. We call the Ola Kedusha Chamura. So we say in the first case, Mikedusha Chamura la Kedusha Kala Paka, from the Kedusha of an Ola, which is higher level of Kedusha, it gets set off, right, by a timer, and all of a sudden goes off and becomes a Shlamim. Well, that is a chiddush to say that it could just jump off, jump down, right? Usually we say malin bekodesh ve'ein moridin, and here we see that it's jumping down in kedusha. That's quite a chiddush. So you say, okay, the reason that that's a chiddush and the reason that works is because it was never really kedusha's a guf. It was kedusha's damim, as we explained. It was just a shore that was a bal mum, as the Ron explains. That we said we're going to sell this. Yeah, but it's a chiddush Barry to say that I'm going to sell this as an ola if it's within the first 30 days, and then I'm setting it already in time, I, I'm already setting it in the contract, so to speak, that if for whatever reason this shore gets sold after the first 30 days, it's going to be sold as a lower level Kedusha as a, as a Shlamim. 
Now, once you've said that, once you said that, so then it should have been obvious you wouldn't need the second part of the brysa. Because as Barry pointed out, in the second part of the brysa, it goes from a shlamim to an ola. Well, to be malin bakodesh is, is obvious that it could do that. In other words, in one, the Kedusha has to jump down a level. That's a bigger Kiddush than the Kedusha intensifying. Right? The Kedusha intensifying could always happen, but the Kedusha jumping down a level uh, is, is a, the bigger Kiddush. So, in summary, what we're saying here is that our Brisa cannot be, just to keep it all together, the Brisa cannot be talking about everything just being Kedusha's Dhamim, because if it was all talking about Kedusha's Dhamim, the second part of the brysa would be unnecessary. We would be able to infer it from the first part of the brysa, and therefore it must be that there's an issue of Kedushas HaGuf here in the brysa. Wow. So it's clearly not only talking about Kedushas Damim, but also Kedushas HaGuf. Well, if that's the case, that's a problem for Rava, because Rava's whole answer was that Kedushas Damim falls off on its own, Kedushas HaGuf does not, but if you follow the brysa to its ultimate right understanding that we follow to follow it now, we see that in fact we've arrived at a logical point where Kedusha Saguf too can be set on a timer. And once we arrive at that, at saying that Kedusha Saguf can, can be set on a timer, we no longer know what Ula right, uh, was, was uh, explaining. Rava's explanation no longer um, stands. Okay, so now... The Gemara is going to try to use that to refute Barpada. Back to Barpada. So again, what were the two Pshatim into our Mishnah? That Barpada said that, that what Ein Lahim Pidyon in our Mishnah meant was that there's no Pidyon until the end. And at the end, there is Pidyon. And Ula said that at the end, the, you don't even have to do Pidyon because the Pidyon jumps off. So, uh, so now we say, Lema to have it to de Barpada. Now that we explained, right, that the Brisa means that even Kedusha Saguf can jump off of, an, of, of something, so why in the world would Barpada require, when he says, Ain Lehim Pidyon, why would he translate it as, there is no Pidyon until it actually reaches its final conclusion of falling down or burning? Why would he say that? Lema to have it to de Barpada, the Amalopaka Kedusha Bechdi. Right, because Barpada himself said that you would have to make a pidyon at the end. That Einlein pidyon means Einlein Yeshlein pidyon, really. Einlein, like um, like my good friend Paul Rodbell used to say uh, in Nachal Tamar and Ramape Chemish. He said, "I learned certain." He, he did a Chanukah Sabais after like five years of construction. He said, "I learned a lot of things in this process." And one of the things I learned was. When an Israeli tells you, when a contractor tells you, ain't baya, he's from Atlanta, that's what I'm saying like that. When an Israeli contractor says, ain't baya, he really means, yesh baya gadola. <laughs> so here, that's Barpada, right? When he says, ain't lahim pidyon, we mean, yeah, not ain't lahim pidyon until the end. But then there is pidyon. Well, why do you have to have pidyon, Barry? We just said that according to Ula, the pidyon could fall off on itself, whether it's Kedushas Adamim or even when it's a Kedushas Aguf. Whew. That's a right? Barpada thought that you need to do a right a uh, at the end that the that kedusha 
never falls off on its own. Lo paka kedusha bichdi says the Gemara. Now you have to redefine the brice at the end. Amar of Papa, of Papa. Since Brachas has been doing this, he's always reconciling stuff. Amar lach Barpada hachikamar. Barpada is explaining it like this. Why does Barpada require you to do the pidyon at the end? Isn't it interesting? That his name is Barpada. He was one of the early Amar. Uh, uh, anyways, um, why is he Barpada like pidyon? Get it, uh, Andrew? Anyways, hachikamar. This is what he meant. Im lo shlamim. If he didn't, if he would not have said that from now until then it's a shlamim la'achar shloshim yom ola havai, it would have been an ola after thirty days. In other words, only shlamim. It's the fact that it's a shlamim that prevents the animal from becoming an ola. Why? Because here's the analogy. Right. Let's say an amazing case. A guy says to a woman, he says, "Guess what?" Here's some money, and now we're going to get super lumdish, and we're going to have to use some yeshivish terms, okay? Uh, we don't have to, but it makes it easy. That's why the yeshivish terms are so helpful, because you don't have to explain it that well. <laughs> As follows. Person says, here's the money now, and the halos, I said the dirty word, the halos of the kedushin will happen in 30 days, okay? Here's the money now, but it's going to take effect in 30 days from now. Well, guess what, Andrew? Where's the money in 30 days from now? It's long gone. She spent it. So at the time that the Kiddushin takes effect 30 days from now, the money is long gone. Okay, so how does that apply to here? Let's see. So he says, the She's married. And says the Gemara, Even though the money is already long gone, she's already spent it. So what do you see? That you could trigger Kiddusha to go on to the woman... Right, right, and the and the effect to take after shloshim yom. So, so too, perhaps you could say that by the ola and the shlamin, right? That that, in other words, you could trigger the kedusha to go on the animal, right? But the problem is like this: I could have said, and this speaks to the second aspect in which the second part of the b'risa was different. Remember, Barry, I told you there's two ways it's different? So one way in which it was different was because you, you were, it, was a, it was a chiddush because you were going down in Kedusha, right? But the other way in which it's a chiddush, right, is because we set it up like where first we're triggering the Kedusha that's going to happen in 30 days. So what we're trying to say now is you could trigger a Kedusha to happen in 30 days, but you cannot have an intervening Kedusha in the middle. In other words, what stops the Kedusha from taking effect later is the fact that you you then retrofitted it, you went backwards and said, and by the way, it's going to be sanctified as something else now, right? It's going to be sanctified as something else in the interim. Where that you can't do with a woman, right? You can't tell her you can be Kedusha in 30 days and something else is going to happen in, in, in the interim. So you could set Kedusha to take hold on a timer, but you can't have some, you can't have it flip from one condition to the other in the middle. That's not how it works. You can only do this one. It's either it's binary, right? It's 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 a zero sum game, as we say, right? It's either on or it's off, right? It's and therefore it can only be either not kaddish or kaddish. But you can't start having different flavors of kedusha. Kedusha start triggering at different points, right? So that's what, according to Rav Papa, right? What we see is. 
the two the two parts of the brisa is not saying right that the kedusha goes off on its own. On the contrary, it's saying it doesn't go off on its own, and that is why it's not difficult to barpada, right? So he's explaining that the second part of the brisa is teaching you that once you are mikdash the animal, right, and you set up the halos of the kedusha to take to take place in thirty days, it becomes mikdash right away now. Just like once you're Mekadosh and Isha to take place for 30 days, even though the money is already gone, there's an element of the Kedushan that's, that actually is actually taking hold right away in the beginning. A lot of Lamdish. And the Gemara asks, however, Pshita. Really? <laughs> it's that Pashat? Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's simple to understand, but it should be obvious that once the animal is Mekadosh, there's no need right, for the Brisa to teach that halacha, right? It's obvious that it would work in that, in that way because after all, all you did was set it up, right? You would say that after 30 days, the animal would, nor, would ordinarily become an ola, but the reason uh, that it doesn't become an ola is because you have the shlamim in between, but certainly that kedusha of the shlamim happened right away, okay? So Gemara says, lo, tzricha, we have to learn, why? The hadabeh. Because it has to be a case where later, an unbelievable thing, he retracted the Kedusha of an Ola prior to the 30th day. So again, he said it was going to be a, an Ola, but in the interim it's going to be a Shlamim. And then, with, right, in the interim 30 days it's going to be a Shlamim. And then, right, prior to that 30-day window, he decided, you know what, I, I changed my mind. I don't want it to be an Ola anymore. So what's the price of teaching it? That he cannot do so. He already set it up. He set up this timer of Kedusha to take effect and he cannot retract it, right? Because, but again, so, so if it were not for the fact that he already, right, uh, that, that for not for the fact that afterwards, right, he said that in the interim it's going to be a Shlomim, the animal would be an Ola and that's why he can't retract it. So it's an unbelievable, right, flip of, flip, over here. In other words, the Gemara is saying that the Chiddush of the Brisa here is not that, right, that the Kedusha of an animal after 30 days will take effect. That we know for sure will happen because we have already learned from Kedushin that you can trigger Kedushin to pop in. Remember, first we were talking the Gemara about the trigger of Kedushin to fall off. Now we're talking about can you trigger Kedushin to start? Can you set a timer to start the Kedushin uh, in 30 days. And that we certainly learned that it's obviously that you could from Kiddushin. You could always say, here's the money and you're Mikudesh in 30 days. But the Kiddush here, right, is that there was a retraction because you said it was going to be Shlomim until then and, and, and therefore the Kiddushin will take place or in this case, right, the, the Hekdesh of the animal will take place despite an intervening retraction. That is a Kiddush indeed that you set a timer, right? You set a timer for the condition to take place and then you unplugged it in the middle. So you would think, okay, so the condition won't take place. No, once you set it in motion, that condition has to take place. So the Gemara says, uh, not everybody would agree that that works by condition. The Gemara says, Yeah, this would be consistent with condition according to the Manda Amar with regards to condition who holds that once you say, you cannot change your mind. And the woman, let's say she, she consents to it, she can't change her mind and retract. But how are you going to line this up, right, 
with, according to the Shita in Kiddushin that says that women in fact can retract. In other words, then you lost your analogy now. Because if a woman can retract within 30 days, so then why would the condition of the animal not be retractable within 30 days? The Gemara explains, I feel that condition of a, of a woman and condition of a animal might actually be different in that regard. Because when it comes to retraction, says the Gemara, even according to the Mandamar who says that a woman can retract her consent to marriage, to Kiddushin, in the case of a carbon, it's different. Why? Right? Because once you've, and this is another Garano, it's Muslim moment, I guess you could say, once you have designated something verbally, to Shemaim, once you've made a commitment to Hashem, so to speak, right? If it doesn't something the Shemaim, that's like set in stone, Andrew. You can't go back on, on a promise you made to Hashem, uh, consecrated Lagavoa. So to actually promise that this carbon is going to be Mekudosh to Lagavoa would be, the analogy would be tantamount to actually being Mekadosh and Isha, giving her the money now and having the Chalos now, right? That's called Misirasa Lahedyot. Like actually doing it for real, and with all of the bells, with all of the procedure, doing it once. In other words, once, right? We say, "I'm, I'm, I'm making a statement." It's now etched in stone, so to speak. When you designated legavoa, it's as if you did every process: the the ma'isa, the paula, as Rabbi Safar would say, the chalos. All of the right implications therein are already. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Everything is committed once you're Makadish Lagavoa. No backseas on that. Masha'in Cain, right? That's Kimisi Russell Lahedyos. But that's not the case when you make a verbal commitment to a woman when it comes to Kiddushin and you say that this is not Chal for 30 days. That would actually be in contrast. That would not be set in stone until the 30 days come because she has, that means she has a 30 day window with which to retract. Okay, okay. And therefore, she can retract the 30 days because. A promise to a woman is not the same thing as a promise to Gavoa. So if you set it up with a woman where you, there's a consensual idea that we're, we're engaged now, so to speak, but we're going to get married in 30 days, she has 30 days, right, right of refusal to reconsider. But once you've promised something to Shemaim, it's set in stone, there's no backseas on that, and therefore those two cases are different, and therefore one, uh, what the halacha is by one, would not necessarily reflect on what the halacha would be by the other. So just because you can retract in the case of Kiddushin does not mean that you can retract in, in the case of Shlamim. And therefore, it is in fact true that the Chiddush of the Bryce would be that you cannot retract in the case of Shlamim. And therefore, that is, right, the, what the Chiddush and then the Bryce, despite, right, uh, despite um, uh, the Bryce can be understood, basically, even according to the way Rav Papa explains Barpada. And therefore, now we understand both Barpada and Ula why the Brisa makes sense, right? And this all is triggered. It's amazing. It's a Gemara, it's a moment, right? The words of Chazal, all the Chazal said was, Ein Pidyon. <laughs> That's all the Mishnah said, two words, Ein Pidyon. <coughs> and from those two words, we have this Barpada and Ula extracting out, right, a month wor- worth of Lumdus in Yeshiva, right, whether the Pidyon falls off, whether Ein Pidyon means the Pidyon falls off on its own, or whether Ein Pidyon means that you cannot be it. And we have explanations according to Abraisa and comparisons to Kiddushin therein, right, to explain how each of those, right, approaches could in fact fit into our Mishnah. 
and explaining the brisa accordingly. So let's pick up tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem, three lines up, Yosef Ravavin, three lines up from the bottom of Chavtes Amad Bez.